0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Books Network podcast. I'm Deidre Tyler, host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking with Leslie deschler Kasonic. And if I'm mispronouncing your name, please stop me. Zarada, yes. Zarada Lopez-Diago. So pronounce those names again, please. Leslie deschler Kanasi. And Zoraida Lopez-Diago. I think it's
3: the Kanasi.
2: That's the that's tricky one. And there are editors of the book, Metro Lineage, Black Metro Lineage, Photography, and Representation, Another Way of Knowing. How are you guys doing today?
3: We're doing great. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Leslie and I are so honored to be on um, this podcast and to be in conversation with you today.
4: Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you for being on the program. Can you start
2: by saying something about yourselves and how you got started on this particular project?
3: Um, so, I am a this is Zaraita here. I'm a photographer, a curator, um, and also a wife and a mother of uh, two little boys. Um, You know, a lot of my photography work, both as someone behind the camera and in front of the camera as a curator, really focuses on stories around women and girls, especially women and girls that go underrepresented. Um, I was the assistant curator of a show entitled Picturing Black Girlhood about five years ago, and then this summer was co-curator of the second iteration of picturing black girlhood. And this was the largest show dedicated to black girlhood. Um, And that is where much of my photography really lies in shedding light on these stories that, um, that, that require more analysis.
4: Mm -hmm. And this is Leslie. Um, I started off uh, very young as a, a photographer, picking up my camera as a teen and uh, doing a more tra- a traditional route of art school and found myself if in museums working as a conservation technician. so I spent a lot of time. Uh, looking at the history of objects, um, doing a lot of deep research around kind of museum studies informally as an artist. We call ourselves sometimes a bad archivist in the art world. Uh, then I continued my studies at the Maryland Institute where I received my um, MFA in photography. But my, um, you know, my real love is photo education. I've, I've taught for about 12 years at the International Center of Photography in New York where I work with adults uh, and young people. I work primarily with uh, really motivated, incredible teens in our Image Makers program. And I say that just, you know, to highlight that, um, you know, reading images, looking at images, thinking about the impact of images, both what we make and what we consume is is really at the forefront of what I think about in the classroom. In addition, my own artistic practice, um, many years centered around, again, as I said, the history of objects and thinking about, um, you know, going into the archives, who, who has access, who controls the archives, those kinds of questions. And then when I had children, I also, like Zereta, I have two children, a boy and a girl who are now kind of middle school age. Um, I turned the camera more so onto my family um, at their birth, more so out of necessity, um, being the primary caregiver. And really started digging into intimacy, family, um, thinking about the role of mother as artist and uh, both, you know, both visual studies of mother of artists, but also what it means to work within that space. And then more so leading up to this book project, really thinking about the role of motherhood in different ways that maybe perhaps motherhood has been used to both oppress and um, you know um support systems that uh aren't you know support systems that aren't necessarily pro women um and ultimately support systems of white supremacy but i might be getting a little bit ahead of myself mm-hmm. um and then at some point i guess in 2016 Zoe and i met uh, both as artists and then we started really looking at the work of uh female w- women photographers and really thinking about ways in which we were very interested in thinking about the ways women in particular use the camera to tell personal stories. Um, so Zorana, do you want to talk about the origins of women picture and revolution maybe as it leads to?
3: Sure. Um, so I was in a show about maybe seven, No, maybe like about nine years ago Mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. um, because it was before Marcel was born. Um, I was in a show and Leslie was the printer. And so I needed um, a couple prints and met Leslie then. And then when my husband and I first started dating, he wanted to get one of my images printed. And so I called Leslie um, and she met us in the city and... Um, she was able to make this beautiful print and then, um, we always remained in contact. And when I moved, uh, outside of the city, um, I moved in with my then boyfriend, now husband, um, and we started a life up here. Leslie and I were still in contact and I think kind of the origins of our, um, friendship and our relationship really reminds me of how mothering and how mothers exist. Mm -hmm. So I needed a stroller and (laughs) Leslie had this beautiful stroller. And so my husband and I went down to Brooklyn and got this stroller and a carrier for the baby. And it's just kind of the way that women and mothers and women who mother just nurture one another, support one another, Kind of really make sure that we have the things that we need, both physically and and mentally, to do the incredibly rewarding but tough jobs that we do. Mm -hmm. And through that, we just kept on talking about photography and about shows um, and about different work. And then I co-curated a show called Women as Witness. And that show was a show in Brooklyn that we did with actually one of the photographers in the Brook. In the book, excuse me, Kiana Mestrick and Leslie offered to print the images in that show that came from um, women who couldn't send us the work. So we had a woman in India, for example, who was documenting um, other women who were getting like burned by acid. Mm -hmm. Um, We had another woman from Northern Europe. um, Just, you know, amazing work but work that was hard and expensive to get to the U.S. and Leslie graciously offered to print the work for that show and from that point on we've been working really closely together ever Mm -hmm. since.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow so I'm talking to two New York women Yes, (laughs)
4: Yes, <laughs> we, we we moved up to Hudson Valley. So we both live in Beacon, New York, which is about you know, maybe an hour and a half from new york city. so we're we're very fortunate to have the mountain outside our door, but also access to, you know, the great cultural center of New York City where we go in often. Um, and so we're we're very lucky. So that's where we are in the world. And we're about, four, you know, maybe a two minute drive. And if you in the book, if you read, I'm sure you saw in the I think it's the acknowledgments how during the pandemic, this this book was about a four four year process. And even during the pandemic, we weren't together, we were just blocks away, but not working in the same room. So there are many things that happened between I think the 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 idea for this book came about 2018 Women Picture and Revolution as a teaching and curatorial project began around 2016. And that was really when we became very close, where Zerada would come over or I'd go to her house late night and we would look at images and really think about, we were particularly interested in conflict, um, but not only photojournalism, which we both really, really loved always our life looking at photojournalism, but really digging into ways that conceptual artists and art you know, people working more within the art practice were thinking about conflict and the idea of revolution and, you know, those secret stories um, that feel very intimate, but are universal, all of that work and photojournalism. And that's really around 2016. We just, you know, we wanted to find other people to talk with. So we created a series of panels and classes um, at International Center of Photography at Columbia University and really I mean, I can't speak for Zoraida, but I think it was more of an excuse to work together and spend time in research. Because you have to remember, we both work and we have children and busy, you know, obligations to our community. But this was our special time. Um, So that's really when things started coming together. And then this book really emerged out of a course we did at um, Columbia University in 2000, I think, 18. Mm -hmm. Is that right?
3: Yeah, um, I was a consultant at the Institute of Research for African American Studies at Columbia University. And through that, Leslie and I taught a half day course on Black women and photography. Mm-hmm. And we were able to have two really incredible women and photographers join us um, as as guest speakers. One was Nona Faustine, and the other was Ayana V. Jackson. And the The workshop was mm. a, a real success. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that we heard through that workshop was it wasn't long enough, so people wanted more time. <laughs> but through that workshop, we were approached by our, our publisher, Leuven University Press, to think about a book and to think about what that would look like. One thing that, um, and Leslie and I began to, you know, think about a book and work on a book proposal but one thing that we wanted in the context of an academic volume was to have room and give space for who is the authority Mm -hmm. and as you see in our book it's a mix of um researchers and professors and um folks from the academic world, but also mothers, Black mothers with deep knowledge of what it means to be a Black mother, mm-hmm. especially what does it mean to be a Black mother in this particular time period, mm-hmm. and how those women, Black mothers, are experts in all that they do, and how they deserve the the respect of being considered an expert that they're often not given in
4: the realm of academia. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to include that in our book too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so many of the, you know, it came together really joyfully in that many are there. Many of the contributors are, you know, very well-known artists and um, essayists, but there are a few emerging voices also with the structure of the book. We have some more, formal type essays, there's a poem, there's a color plate section in the back that we curated, there's interviews. Interviews. Uh, So we really wanted to kind of break up um, that format as it would reflect the conversation. Um, If you as if you were having a conversation in a room, not unlike the incredible group of people that showed up at that Columbia moment where Nona Faustine and Ayanna Jackson shared their work, both who are highlighted in the book, Ayana in the color uh, curated section in the back, and Nona's in the intro. And Nona has an essay all to her own by Jonathan Michael Square, who also showed up um, at that at that, at that workshop with Ayana. So it really is like come together, kind of full circle, and it was such a, a beautiful mix of of voices we feel um, throughout the the volume.
2: Tell us, why do you think this project of Black motherhood is so important, even for the future?
4: You
3: know, one thing that um, I think is is really important, when we think of Black motherhood, we often don't think of, or I, I, I shouldn't say we, but like mainstream society doesn't think of Black mothers as being very multi-dimensional. Mm-hmm. The, the the images can often be very one note mm. and not positive. And black mothers have every emotion. Black mothers are joyful. Black mothers experience pain, but they also experience joy. They experience laughter. They experience um community, you know, the the essay. Um, by Raisa is one of my favorite essays and it talks about these Black women and these Black mothers who um, supported themselves in being able to go out and Mm -hmm. still feel like a woman Mm -hmm. and still feel very joyful and that image... um, that's in the that's in uh, Raissa Williams' essay, "The Three Black Mothers in a Cleveland Cabaret." Cabaret, excuse me, of these women in front of that wicker chair, you know, that speaks to I think so many black families. I grew up with one of those chairs <laughs> in my house. I think my mom had it till you know, very recent, um, and it just shows that black women are just so much more than what we've been told Mm. visually or literally. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just the important thread to carry
4: um, through the future. Mm -hmm. And also as, as you know, there's so much more beyond what you see as in, in media of just trauma and grief. Right. So, Uh, We just were very intentional about including essential parts of history and legacy, but also really highlighting all the things that Zoraida just mentioned about love, joy, community, creation, looking. I love that you asked the question in terms of future. Um, We were also very intentional about, you know, working with essayists who maybe were talking about more difficult things, you know, images that went viral, or are there a couple chapters that do address these, these tough images, and we, you know, in agreement with the essayists, left those out of the book, uh, not because it's, um, you know, not happening, not because it doesn't exist, but in this particular vessel, we wanted to lift, you know, other ideas of creation and representation.
2: The CDC indicates that black women are four times more likely to die as a result of childbearing. Um, How did this play a role in the selection of the various pictures and photographers?
4: Mm. These uh, ideas are more explored in the essays. There's two or three essays in particular uh, visualizing Black Motherhood and Health, and then there's uh, Black Birth Matters, a conversation with Andrea Chung, um, one of the artists who are featured in the back um, by Nicole Caruth, and I think there's a few obviously references throughout, um, which in inside the bodies of those essays you'll find images as they relate both from an artist perspective and some documenting documentary more traditional um, images addressing. Um, both these, you know, the statistics, but also a conversation about women, in particular, Andrea Chung, who was working um, with um, maternal health um, groups and doing workshops with new and young mothers, speaking directly to, um, you know, her experiences with uh, midwifery and the birth of her own children. So it was more of like an, an exploration with community Um do you want to add?
3: Yeah. And I will say in um, Andrea Chung's images, because mm-hmm. her images very much relate to the women in her family mm-hmm. and um, her ancestors and how, you know, she she comes from this line of women in Jamaica who were midwives and she incorporates some um, some references to traditional midwifery practices, mm-hmm um, traditional doula practices and how often that kind of care that, that these women had and the knowledge that, that those women had aren't, um, as valued or as, as sacred in society right now, you know, even in doing this research, Leslie and I, um, there was another photojournalist who did an essay that looked at Black doulas in, Phila- I think it was in Philadelphia, and how Black women who have Black doulas um, have higher um, infant mortality um, infant mortality rates and just are set up to have a successful childbirth experience and... It's really um, disappointing and just incredible how, you know, regardless of income, this is something Mm -hmm. that Black women and Black mothers have to really uh, deal with this horrible reality. During COVID um, and during the process of this book, I had my second child, my son, and it's just, it's such a heavy load to bear during this really special time in um, a Black woman's life. And so infant mortality is something that I personally ex- experienced even during this book process.
4: Yeah, I think that um, chapter 11, Esh Cole wrote, again, at Worth a Thousand Words, it's titled Visualizing Black Motherhood and Health. She did a really beautiful job of choosing images in that particular uh, body of the essay. There's one image of a young mother um, that was found. It it went a bit viral online, but it was uh, from Instagram. And it's a, a young mother, pregnant, a Black woman in front of the Capitol with a sign. So it's a protest picture that's quite powerful. So that is something that also with this book, folks were bringing in images they found on social media was very important to talk about, you know, um, in relation to how images travel in digital culture. Then she has an image by uh, Miranda Barnes, uh, which was a New York Times piece about um, uh, miscarriage at work and um, Mm. black mothers and miscarriage at work and and violations in the workplace and that caused miscarriage. Then she has two more um, images that are I would say are more towards kind of art conceptual layers where uh, folks are, are gathering together in community, um, showing, you know, themselves with their children, with their friends. Uh, so it's a nice, I feel like, you know, we feel as if that particular essay did a beautiful job of covering the range of both experiences, but how that can be represented in a photograph. Um, and I think that, you know, that question that you ask is throughout you know it's it's almost in all of the writing it's it's maybe not directly but it's implied and it's understood that this is what we're fighting for right Uh, and certainly in the intro introduction we um, talk about that as well
2: other mothering child care collections during covid tell us a little about that
4: so, other motherhood? Could you? I'm sorry. Other mothering collections during COVID. Yes. In terms of our experience, right? What What did mm-hmm. you find with
2: those pictures there?
3: You know, I think one thing that was really important for both Leslie and I, when we think of motherhood, also mm-hmm. to include the, also to include mothering and mm-hmm. the fact that. You don't have to biologically birth a child. Mm -hmm. Um, A child doesn't have to be in your home for you to mother a child in your community, for you to mother, um, you know, children in your family. Um, So many of us grew up with our aunts that are like our second mothers, Mm -hmm. mothers in our neighborhood who also have strong influences and impacts on, um, who we are. And so we, we thought about that, um, and wanted to make sure that we held a space for mothering, um, that comes through not biologically birthing someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see that in a lot of different communities. You see it in the in the queer community, the idea of mothering, the idea of found families, and how that is just so um, critical um, to to building family and to building community. Mm-hmm. And so, we wanted to make sure that we held a space for that in that book, regardless of of COVID. We wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that we had room for that in the book. Mm. Um, during COVID, the idea of mutual care, which I think really ties into mothering, comes to the forefront because we saw so many examples and we, we, touched, to the, we touched upon this in the introduction of Black women mothering their communities. So in the intro, for example, there's the example of Tanya Field an incredible activist, food justice leader, who was one of the few people in her community that stayed open for folks to get food. Mm -hmm. And this was during a time when Mayor de Blasio had a curfew. So if you were working second or third shift Mm. and you needed food when you got out of work, nothing was open. And so this was a woman who, like so many women before her, knew how important it was um, to have food on the table for folks in her neighborhood who made sure that that her offering was open for the people who need it. And mm-hmm. so this idea of mutual care that I think has been in um, so many generations of Black women, Sheila P. Bright talks about mm-hmm. it um, in, in her work as well. She's mentioned in the intro. is something that I think really came forward during, during mm,
2: COVID. Mm-hmm. Now you included Canada and pictures from the twenties and thirties. When you look at these pictures, you definitely see middle-class life. Tell us about one of the pictures
4: of the lady dressed with the lipstick in the ring.
0: We're,
4: we're looking at our, so that was one of the, so first I want to address when we did we thought about the book, we had started originally thinking about it uh, as a American, I'll say, right? In terms yes. of what I mean, came North out, Just America. North America is our, our lived experience and specifically in, in the United States and then, uh, you know, we, of course, had so many incredible. No, I think we're looking at the images right now through the book. Um, so many incredible artists were coming through uh, in, the, in, in Europe, in particular in London. then we had a few South African folks reach out as well. Which image are you referring to exactly in the chapter? Did you say? It was in the chapter
2: on Canada. The pictures of the people in the 20s and 30s. That tells the viewer something about middle-class lifestyles. The picture of a little girl with the bow in her hair, the woman with the necklace and the beautiful dress. And when you think of those time periods, you think of poverty everywhere.
4: Yes. I mean, so are you asking the the inclusion of those images for all the reasons we've been speaking about are are so important, aren't they? Because I mean, the Ivana V. Jackson speaks about this so beautifully um, about her experience growing up in um, uh, New Jersey, how she would come down the stairs. She shared this in a, in a class at Columbia, she would come down the stairs and her family had just, a few generations of photographs of beautifully dressed distinguished wonderful images of her family and she would come down the stairs and then she'd be exposed to tv or whatever they were dishing out on uh, on the media about black families and it it contradicted with her experiences of her images from her family right Um, so anytime we can you know highlight uh, these images just to you know, it's just, a, this is just family albums and family pictures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular ch- chapter. Um, Zoran, did you want to add to this? this is uh, Rachel Lobo's piece.
3: Yeah, you know, um, we wanted to make sure that as we were getting images beyond, from photographers mm-hmm. beyond the United States, that we also had essayists mm-hmm. to really widen the lens, not only um, visually but literally of what we were putting in this final um collection and so rachel lobo rachel lobo speaks of generation of um free black women and men who in many times traveled right over the border from michigan um to canada Um, but she also speaks about about the history of slavery between the U.S. and Canada, and um, and and what that meant, and you know, I think some of the images in her chapter really kind of um, reference to what you were speaking of. Just they counter the narrative that black people in the twenties mm-hmm. were, you know, all impoverished. Black people at at any age. in in any decade are a spectrum, right? And Mm -hmm. how do we show that, um, how do we show that spectrum? Um, Mm -hmm. Another chapter that focuses on family pictures also talks about, um, it talks about Paul Robeson's wife Mm -hmm. and how she was going to Africa. She was going to South Africa and, she took these images of um, folks in Africa that were much more dignified than what so many people, both Black and white, in America were seeing at the time. And she was really talking about the connections between Black people in the U.S. and Africa. So Islanda Robson was trying to make this strong... Um, connection and li- lineage between um, Black people here and Black people in Africa. And then you see some of this kind of sense of mothering in some of the images. So she, you know, is like, she, she puts her arm um, on one of the children, like on his shoulder in, in some of the images. And you know, we wanted to at every age kind of really counter the mainstream narrative that you hear of Black people and Black mothers in particular.
0: Mm. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: The chapter, Lessons Not to be Passed on, Ex-Incarcerated Black Mothers. Tell us about those pictures, because when you would look at them, you would see smiles, but yet they didn't know the people in the picture
4: you mean in terms of the photographer's experience with the okay um you know this essay looks at the portraits it's this is a long it it analyzes the portraits of the inner lives of voices of african american women by paula c johnson which was a project in 2003 And then these are images from Sarah Bennett, I think that you're referring to, you know, in in terms of the actual photographs that you ask about, you know, this particular photographer spent quite a bit of time getting to know the women. I don't think uh, this is not one of the moments where folks just come in and make the images. This is a long-term project where um, Sarah Bennett had a relationship with, um, Paula and then there was a, 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 where they would meet and speak with women over multiple visits. So I think just in terms of, of photography, um, this is the kind of work, you know, if it had been a situation where, you know, in our, in my field, we call it, you know, you never want a photographer who just parachutes in. Right. Um, so certainly these are warmer images, really listening to the stories, taking audio and notes and having a long-term relationship where you could check back is the kind of work that's highlighted here. Um, So is that, does that answer that question? It's, um, there is a bit of a warmth. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. You know, and and I would say also um, I've done some work around uh, Mm -hmm. photography and women, uh, incarcerated women, both when they were incarcerated and when they were released and the overriding idea in most people's mind is that these women are these kind of Mm -hmm. horrible hardened criminals that need to be cast away and um in this chapter in particular, you know, you see, you see a mother, you see mothers with their children, you see women smiling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important in all of this work to show humanity in people. And I think that has been something that is just really missing in so many images of Black women. It's it's really that humanity. Mm-hmm. It's um, showing people dignified and with respect, whether they're in prison or whether they're out of prison. And that's something that we wanted to make sure we we kind of countered those negative images of incarcerated women and incarcerated mothers um, throughout this book.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I thought it was interesting you included a reference to a film, one of the authors of one of the essays, and um, the film is called All My Babies, A Midwife's Own Story. What was the distorted reality of that film?
4: That's in Nicole, uh, Black Birth Matter is a conversation, with Andrea Chong and Diana, Alan Rob. that's a Something that Nicole Carruth, um, who's an independent scholar had written about um, I love <laughs> these are these are I feel as if this would be a great question directed towards Nicole rather than us as the editors. Um, it's isn't it, it that was intended that that Im- have you seen did you get a chance to see parts of that? Are you familiar with that? Um, you are okay. I mean, as Nicole points out, it was intended. So this piece was made intended to educate um, the lay midwives of the Deep South. And um, to the best of my knowledge, there were over 100 teaching points to incorporate. um, And the film did find a wider wider audience. This is complicated. uh, And I think Andrea Chung speaks about this a little bit in the relationship of... um, you know, midwifery has been something we've been doing since the beginning of time. And um, predominantly black women uh, is something that have have done this. And also, there's a correlation between the white doctors coming in as experts, right? So I think in a way, um, you know, I think the this is a tough one. Yeah,
3: you know, I I think these these white doctors and nurses come in as these was saying as experts and as much as they really hate and loathe these black women, midwives, um, and doulas, Andrea Chung talks about how these midwives and doulas were considered dirty, right. And their Mm -hmm. practices were considered dirty, but they had this really deep knowledge, um, and knew how to birth babies, mm-hmm. and how this knowledge would go back generations and generations. These were uh, midwives who birthed um, black children who who delivered their masters' uh, mm-hmm. children. These were in conditions where there were there were no hospitals, um, and you know, as we know. Countless experiments were done on Black bodies, on Black women bodies, and where the fear of doctors and medical establishments is really um, real. And, you know, that's some of the kind of underlying current to this film, to this film as well. I mean... Uh, Nicole talks about how when All My Babies was released, the the mortality, the maternal mortality rate for Black women was more than three and a half times what it was for white women. And, you know, we're, we're getting on almost 70, maybe a little more than 70 years later. It's only gone down 1%. And... um she really questions why this gap still exists. And I think some of that also goes back and relates to the visualization of Black women and Black motherhood.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was just so much to cover here. I think regions played a role too in the experiences of women. Um, The mothers, grandmothers, great aunts, those pictures in the 70s and 80s in Ohio, I think. Tell us about that essay.
3: Yes, that is um, such a gem um, by Raisa Williams, The Three Black Mothers in a Cabaret. Um, You know, one thing that I loved about this essay is that Raisa included the dialogue. So Mm, we got mm -hmm. a little insight into you know, um, a daughter calling her mother and, um, calling her, her mother's sister and how these three women made sure that even though they were mothers, they were still women who could enjoy themselves. And you see that in, um, in this image, Leslie, I want to make sure you have some time to talk about this too. I know this is, is an essay we talk
4: about uh, quite a bit. Right. Right. Um, I just think, you know, when this image, when this essay came to us, we were just really, really excited because it does such a beautiful job of laying out, you know, it starts off with this image and of the the three generations of women, again, and going very personal. I, we love the way that this, you know, that she lays out the, the the hard facts of the life and the work and things that may have been going on. But it was every, I think, Friday night, did she say which night on the weekend that the women would go out? And this is interesting because this is not an essayist who is, um, you know, we work with a lot of photographers who or a lot of, you know, artists will use images to over words. And when we read this, we it wasn't submitted with an image. But that's one thread that was super important for us in the book. We reached out and said, oh, do you have a picture of this? Um, you know, she talks about the picture quite a bit, but I, as best I remember, Mm -hmm. I think maybe she shared the image with us, but didn't think we would, you know, that it necessarily needed to live with the image, with the essay. And we said, no, 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 we, we need to see it. And it was this beautiful moment where, you know, it's an old copy. That's, I think maybe there was just like a laser print of it. And we really wanted to include it. Um, and, if that makes sense so she's writing specifically about it but hadn't thought to put it and this is I just want to pivot really quickly to a couple other folks that are in the book that maybe didn't express themselves with images rather they used words and that we asked for them specifically um, in, in the uh, the forward by the um, Salamisha and Chambers on Tillett we wanted to see f- pictures of their mother who they you know really are speaking about primarily and then in the afterward regimes um we asked she spoke she described her mother's baby picture and then we said can we can we please have a photograph of your your mother and then also in the interview um a couple of and one of the interviews we asked specifically if we could have pictures, baby pictures that were described in the text. So I'm not sure that's what you asked, but that was really important for us to bring in those personal family pictures um, from the essayists as well. Yes. What
2: is the overall message you want the audience to take away with? Mm.
3: You know, I think it's that Black motherhood and Black mothering is just so vast and the visualization of that deserves to be as vast as it is. Um, how do we counter the narratives that bombard us mm-hmm. of Black motherhood just drenched in pain and sorrow? And what does it look like when you know we see this image that Raisa provided, for example, of Black mothers... Enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the history of that, and how do we provide a space for that history and push that history forward? How do we show the complexities of Black women and Black mothers and the people who mother who are mothering in our communities?
4: Mm-hmm. Right, and we really, you know, um, this this volume has s- so many different. You know, so many voices included, and we really think about it. I mean, I'll speak for both of us on this one. This is really just a starting point, mm-hmm. and we're just so, you know, there's all this incredible work that's been going on for generations, um, writing, especially particularly in within Black feminist writers and artists that exist, and we would we really are looking for places to bring it all together, um, it, you know, with the visual language of photography and representation. So in many ways, although this took us so long, we feel like we're just getting started, yeah. right? We're in the midst of, you know, setting up panels and events where we get to kind of talk to some of the artists paired with the essayists and, and really get into it. But it really feels like, cause your question was future focused, that this is just the beginning of this kind of conversation, um, in this iteration for us. There's so much incredible scholarship out there. So many incredible artists addressing this, um, you know, these, these, these conversations. Um, so we're, you know, it's just so important to have it in one place for us now. And, you know, we've been thinking a lot about, there were a few key images and a few key artists that really we just had in mind the whole time. Zarada had mentioned Sheila Pre Bright, and I don't know if you have the picture in front of you. Um, in the intro, you know, Sheila is an incredible mm. artist who's been just making work for a couple of decades, but primarily in the past, you know, years, really showing up, um, photographing protests within Black Lives Matter, and just and really just doing it, and. She's just incredible. And she was uh, somehow ended up um, being um, offered a public art piece in Atlanta for the celebration of the 2019 Super Bowl. And I don't say somehow lightly, I'm sure it was a really rigorous choice they made and the perfect person for it. And if we have to think about one image that really speaks to the the, the inspiration for the book, she wanted to do a piece. Um, she wanted to do something to to, commemor- to to work with the women, the mothers who had lost their children to police violence. So she came together um, with a couple of mothers and they created a, a weekend, a safe space, a retreat for these mothers who had, who had experienced these terrible, terrible things and who were all doing the work of activism to change the laws and, and, and pursue justice but she took the time, rather than you know just going in and photographing them, to create a retreat for the weekend, um, which we've always we always talk about this. And she did this beautiful portrait of ten women, and they she treated them to massages and meals, and they spoke and they cried and they laughed and they had an incredible time. And as a result, she has this incredible image, um, and I believe there's rose petals at their feet. And to us, that really speaks to both a history documentation, but also future, you know, future iterations of this conversation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I've taken up enough of your time.
2: Can you tell us the next book you're working on?
3: <laughs> you know, Leslie and I, we, we dream of the next book and we're really interested in a few things in this particular moment, a traveling exhibition. hmm with the work from this book is something that is really top of our list. Um, we're also interested in a source book. So how do you create a book with so many of the references that are in this particular book and also interested in pursuing the idea of more of a, um, photo forward book around, um, motherhood and Black motherhood in particular.
4: Mm -hmm. And with all of that, something that we really appreciate is, um, you know, anywhere that we do this work, there's, there's always an element of conversation of public programming to really extend who's, who's having these conversation or who's involved in the conversation. Mm -hmm. That's something that we're really excited about. So hopefully the next one won't take four years, but we did have many things in between, including a beautiful little, Zaretta had a beautiful baby. (laughs) so (laughs) but we're so thankful for you for taking the time today and 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 digging into this with us um it's it's deeply meaningful to us to have this conversation
2: thank you so much for being on the program
4: thank you